Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Today's episode, episode 140, coming to you, well, I am at least, from an even more northern undisclosed location than normal, away for a couple of weeks, hoping and really keeping my fingers crossed that the Wi-Fi and the signal holds up long enough to record this in one take, because uh, I apparently have a uh, an unexpected part-time job this week, so that's that, which is good, but uh, <laughs> it kind of crunched for time, so hoping we can... Well, we can fit this all in and get it out on time. Should be able to. Positive thinking. On today's episode, we have a couple of big trades and uh, an even more interesting take on one of the teams after the MLB trade deadline. Uh, the SEC apparently is, is about to get stronger. Uh, not that it wasn't already strong enough as it is. Uh, Bills? Buffalo Bills might be moving? Uh, this was news to me when I woke up this morning, but apparently it's a thing. And uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Ben's favorite, uh, appears to be injured again. So we will certainly discuss that, and I'm sure there will be no biased takes from Mr. Prescott. Zero. Zero. It will be all on the up and up. Um, but it will be honest, at least. Even if biased, it will be honest. So we're going to start with the MLB. Trade deadline has come and gone. And uh, the big name, of course, Max Scherzer. I mean, superstar pitcher for the Washington Nationals, formerly of the Detroit Tigers. A guy who was a Red Sox fan years and years ago when he was a free agent. I wanted them to sign him like you would not believe. Instead, the Sox went out and signed David Bryce. Um, it was good for them, but not what Scherzer's been for sure. Uh, he was traded along with uh, Trey Turner for, to the, uh, <laughs> to guess who? The apparently capable of printing money, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I don't know how they have the cap room for well, There's no cap, but the financial room for this without paying excessive luxury taxes. But they have found themselves with another superstar and another another damn good player in, in Trey Turner. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if this is going to help them repeat as World Series champions or not. Because as we know, team chemistry is not always just based on the number of stars you have. But, man, this was a huge get for the Dodgers. Yeah, and I think it really cements their rotation, at least for this year and possibly next year. Um, I think we look at this, it was a bold move by the Nets to make this trade. Now they got four prospects, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know who they are. But they're they're high on the uh, Dodgers farm system list, and, it, and it'll – really infuse a lot of talent to the Nats, especially when this is just because of his position he plays, not because of his name or what he does, because I don't know. Uh, Kyber Ruiz is a, is a catcher, and not by default. If, you get, if you're in this kind of trade as a catcher, you got some, you got some real potential oh, yeah. in your game. But it's just, it's just interesting with – Trey Turner coming over as well is where does he slot in? Uh, I guess he's playing second base. I, I could have sworn he was a shortstop, but uh, maybe he's a second baseman. But this could, you know, lend them to uh, Corey Seager going off in free agency and going elsewhere and him slipping right into that spot. And I don't think Max Scherzer's quite done yet. And do you think Clayton Kershaw has much left in a tank? 
I don't know. It's tough to tell because Clayton Kershaw has been good for so long that, I mean, you think, kind of like a Felix Hernandez, you think the guy's like 45 years old. And you look and you see they're they're in their earlier part of their mid-30s, and it's like, wow. Like, (laughs) this guy should should have another five, six years at this level. But when when you're that good for that long, uh, sometimes you taper off sooner. I don't know what Kershaw has left, honestly. It's tough. As far as I know, he's not, I can remember, he's never sustained any kind of major injury, um, at least not repetitively. Maybe he missed some time here or there. So uh, maybe just wear and tear is wearing him down. But, I mean, you have Walker Bueller. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's been as good as he was a couple of years ago. But, you know, you put him with Scherzer, that's a nice one, too, and Kershaw, three, and, and whatever order you want to put him in. Um Scherzer, let's remember, he was on a Tigers team with Verlander. So he had those two back-to-back for a while. So I don't know how the Tigers didn't end up walking away with at least one championship with some of the offense they have, but that's another story. Um, I, It's so tough because, I mean, it, if, if you watch guys like, like Kershaw pitch when they were in their early, early to mid-20s, you say, that's going to be a 3,000 strikeout guy. That's going to be a 300-game winner. That guy's going to be a record setter. And they're great for a while, and then they just kind of taper off, and they never really get to those records. So I'm not going to, much like you not pretending to know all the names of the prospects, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know Clayton Kershaw's career numbers off the top of my head. I don't, and I didn't really look them up, honestly. Uh, Like I said, my research for this episode wasn't quite able to be as good as normal because of a lot of uh, (laughs) bandwidth and uh, internet restrictions based on where I am. But... um, yeah, I mean, again, I just brought him up. A guy like Verlander. Verlander looked done the year before he was traded to Houston. A year or two. Remember, he looked like he was really struggling, and then he came out, and he changed up his game a little bit, and he was better than ever. So, Kershaw's got that, that, that you know, that ability to do that, but will he? I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I guess this could be a kind of – kind of perceived as you never know when you're going to get your next great pitching star. Yeah. So while they have a guy like Walker Bueller and they do have Kershaw still go out and get a guy like Scherzer and just try to go all in, trade some prospects and try to get another ring. Uh, That's kind of what I took it as. Um, Like you said, with Seager, it'd be really weird to spend all these prospects, uh, all these prospects and, and all this money on free agents and then not keep your own guys. Um, cause I don't know, I don't know if they drafted him or not, but he was, you know, he did come up through their system and it's kind of weird to not, to not keep him with all the money you're spending. Uh, but you know, baseball is a funny game sometimes when it comes to contracts. So I, I don't know. Um, I, could I say he's done? Uh, no. Uh, do I think he's ever going to be the, the feared force on the mound he was for the last decade? or at least a decade, I don't think so. I think those days are gone. But he could still be a quality pitcher. Uh, I I looked up his stats, Chris. He's about uh, 347 strikeouts away from hitting that 3,000 mark. You could get there. Um, 33 years old. Here's Here's the difference between Verlander and Clayton Kershaw. Clayton has never been a hard thrower. Now he's had a decent fastball, um, but he's never been that you know 98, 99 mile an hour fastball that 
uh, Verlander's been a lot of his career. So the transition Verlander has made is is there's a, a lot easier. I don't mean to make it sound simple, but it's easier for him to have work on his secondary pitches to create that deception, that uh, change in speed. Whereas if Kershaw's pumping in an 88, 87 mile an hour fastball, how creative can you get as a lefty to really deceive the batters? I mean, obviously, herky-jerky mo- uh, mo- mo- uh, movement, uh, weird lo- uh, weird ro- um, wind-ups could help, but in a point of his career, he's not really going to change too much in that aspect. I think with Julio Urias and Walker Bueller, that's your, that's your future. Uh, and if you have this fall off with um, Clayton Kershaw, and I think, I think this is his last year in, in his contract. And I'm pretty sure Scherzer has a couple extra years. I think this can bridge that gap to when Walker Bueller steps on the mantle of the ace of the staff and probably one of the best pitchers in baseball. It also is a big deal for them to make this move because they're not, they're used to being out in front by a landslide of all the other teams, but they're behind the giants by three and a half games. And the giants made a move to get uh, Chris Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. I believe they got, yep. Um, and I know the Padres made some moves and they are, seven behind the, the Giants. So this is this is a division. This is not the usual, I don't want to say cakewalk, but cakewalk that that the Dodgers have. And I think this is the move they want to make. I, I understand they won the World Series, and they've been in the World Series the past three times in, I think, four years or five years. When you're there, you want to keep going there because sure. eventually – Eventually, in a, a parody sport, as uh, MLB tries to portray it as, it, it forces you to try to win almost at any cost when you're up at the top. Because when you hit that bottom, oof, you're going to hit the bottom, and then you're going to hit it hard. Yeah, um, it is interesting. Uh, you said that you, you, know, you don't stay on top forever, and uh... – you know we're <laughs> we're both Patriots fans, as we have made made light of, and different sport. But it's you know, it, it was funny because I've I've honestly, and I know a lot of people say this. I was a fan before they went on this crazy run. Uh, I remember I remember the 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 five win a season days before a guy named Tom Brady took over. So I'm just like, hey, calm down. It'll come back around. Maybe not the same success, but it'll be fine. But there's a number of people that just didn't know how to handle it. That's a, that's a different story. But, yeah, I mean, you can only stay up top for so long, uh, and then you do come down. Uh, and it's amazing if you look over the last couple of years, the teams that have won the, the World Series. Look at the uh, the Nationals won a couple of years ago, and yep. they're selling off now. Uh, the Royals, they, they won a couple of years ago, believe it or not. And they're, you know, they're not bottom of the barrel. They have some talent, but they're certainly not the force that they were. Uh, and 
team that broke the broke the curse of the Billy Goat curse was it? Yeah, uh, in Chicago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they. I, oh man, when did they win? Was it 20, 2016, I think it was. I, and, I gotta say, yeah, probably around there. Yeah, mentioned the Bryant trade. Yeah. They they traded Javi Baez to the Mets. Uh, and they traded Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. And a lot of people thought it was a big deal. I'm not as concerned. The, the Yankees made a couple moves. They traded for Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo. Gallo, great glove uh, and great power hitter. He's going to hit a ball 450 feet or he's going to strike out. Uh, but that's the thing. He's not consistent. And quite frankly, the Yankees already have three or four of those bats. Uh, so... Maybe his defense will make a difference. I don't know, but I'm not really too worried about him uh, from, like, a, a grand scheme of things. And Rizzo, he was apparently a great team guy. He was a leader in the clubhouse, which is great. Uh, but you don't know how that's going to translate from team to team. Anthony Rizzo is not going into the Yankees to be Mr. Yankee. He's not going in there to be the face of the franchise. He's not going to be... Uh, more popular than an Aaron Judge or or uh, Garrett Cole, even if it's only a second year, but still, he's coming into a new situation. So who knows? Maybe he will have a big impact. Maybe the, the players will fall in love with him and they'll he'll be their leader. Maybe not. Maybe he won't have the impact they think he will. Who knows? You said it, and I didn't even see it from this perspective. We're talking just before we started recording. The big story is not who was traded; it's it's who was traded from where. And that's where I'm coming to to with the Cubs. This team is in a complete rebuild. A complete rebuild, as you stated, like I said before we started recording. Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, uh, they haven't maintained any of their pitchers who helped get them. They're real, not that I can think of. Uh, Uh, Kimbrell. Kimbrell was on the – oh, that's right, yeah. Kimbrell also. And got traded to the White Sox. Yep. Um – I mean, this team, just anybody who was costing them any significant money, gone. Forget it. They're just totally rebuilding. It's, it's, I mean, I got to say, as somebody who knows as a Red Sox fan what it was like waiting for that World Series, uh, I'm happy for Cubs fans. They at least got that when it happened because, uh, unfortunately for them, this, this team looks like it's going to be a couple of years at least before they're competitive again. And, and if you look at the division, Chris, you're in a division with the – first off, you're in a division with the Cardinals, who it doesn't matter what's going on. <clears throat> they seem to be able to put good teams on the field year in and year out. Yep. And even if they have a down year, the next year they might bounce back and, and have a more productive year. Brewers are up and down. The Reds are up and down. The Pirates are the Pirates. But eventually they'll spike a little bit. And I look at the Cubs and I'm just thinking, <clears throat> what's your future going to be? What is, what are you building towards now? And because you would think, okay, they're going to center around Javier Baez, but they traded him. I, I couldn't even tell you what's left on the, on the, the Chicago Cubs. Cause it's, it's literally going to be starting next year. They're just going to be, uh, I mean, they, they didn't trade Kyle Hendricks, which is an opportunity missed. They didn't trade Wilson Contreras. Uh, there's just a lot there that they could have done. But then there's nothing. I don't see any impact player 
So it just tells me that their impact players are either in the trades that came back or in their minor leagues. And I don't know when that's going to change for them. And the Brewers, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Cardinals have to take advantage of this. They have to take advantage of this this year, next year, the year, the year well, after. Well, the, Car- the Cardinals will. And we'll see what the yeah. Brewers and the Reds do. But I'm just going to close on this for, for here. You touched on a good point there. And that is usually when a team does this, they do keep a centerpiece to build around in the future. Uh, the Nationals pretty much said anyone's available except Juan Soto. They did say he was available for the right price, uh, but that price would have been astronomical. Uh, they know they know he's going to be a potential face of the league for the next 10, 15 years at least, and they're not going to trade that for nothing. Uh, so realistically, he was never really on the block because no team would have paid what they wanted for him. Uh, you know, when the Royals kind of, you know, realized that they weren't going to be perennially competitive, they made some trades. They kept Salvatore Perez. I mean, not the best bat in the world, certainly not the worst, but a team leader. They have guys like Whit Merrifield, you know, we're coming down the pipe. They knew that. And like you said, the Cubs might have some minor leaguers they're super high on, but who knows how that pans out. They don't have a major leaguer who's the heart and soul of the team anymore. They don't have, I mean, if you're a Cubs fan, Going to a game's got to be almost depressing right now. Oh yeah. I mean, three starters, three three core members of your team, and your closer just got traded. And I mean, you're, I'm sure they still love the team. That's a loyal fan base. Right. But I mean, <laughs> are you really, if you're a Cubs fan, you're gonna sit there and watch it on TV, or go through all the mumbo jumbo now of getting into a stadium with all that's going on, and paying for a ticket and twelve bucks for a beer, like? The Cubs should have held on to somebody or gotten somebody in return who they could say, hey, right now, this is the guy we're building around. Not right. In three years, this might be a guy, but maybe not. It doesn't It doesn't work, and it certainly doesn't sell tickets. Yeah, and I, know, I, I look at this, and I'm just thinking, you're, you're going to sell your franchise to your fan base with Ian Happ and Matt Duffy and Wilson Contreras, and I'm just – I just look at that and say, okay, that's those are nice ancillary pieces, but you don't have that superstar. And maybe they're going to go out in this offseason, and we'll look at that when the offseason comes. Maybe they come out and, and fire on all cylinders in free agency and try to get those big names, whatever's out there. But I, I am, I am understanding their moves. You know, the Padres did it years ago. The Phillies did it at one point. Like you said, the, the Royals did it. Uh, even the Blue Jays, after their little blip in the playoffs, they started selling off pieces as much as they could. It's smart team building to do it, but it's just where is that transition? And we just don't, we just don't see that transition. The lone exception is usually the Rays because they don't really – like they may have one person, like for long time. Oakland, Oakland, maybe. Yeah, in Oakland too. Um, you know, Evan Longoria was there for a long time. He was kind of that holdover, and maybe um, the name always escapes me. The kid that they play, it plays in the outfield for the Rays, that had a big postseason last year. Rosarina. Um, yeah, maybe yep. that's their yep. guy, but I think the Rays and the Oakland A's are kind of those exceptions because they just. They seem to be able to build it year in and year out. Heck, they traded their closer. Did you know that? Who? 
Uh, oh, not their closer. I think I think he's one of their closers, uh, Diego Castillo. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, yep. And I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a raised move. Yeah. Trade trade the the reliever, high as you can go, because you know, well, first off, they base everything off their opener anyway, <clears throat> and they don't really have a true closer. But it's smart business move. But those are the exceptions. Everyone else, it's like usually you transition with a player, and It'll be interesting to see what the Cubs do. I just don't know what direction they're gonna t- they're gonna take in right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunately I think for a Cubs fan it's gonna be gonna be a rough couple of seasons, and hopefully somebody stands out and gives you something, and yeah, you, you you keep that player to give your fan base something to cheer for, and, and keep tickets coming in and revenue coming in, and, and right now the Cubs just don't have that. They got rid of just about everybody, so it's it's like I said, a tough couple of years for Cubs fans, and and. I have no rivalry with the Cubs. I have no beef with the Cubs. I'm a Red Sox fan, and I can sympathize with, with Cubs fans about how long it took to get a ring. So I don't mean that with any sarcasm. Um, you know, good luck. Hopefully somebody stands out. Stands out. Maybe you get a free agent that feels like going there and they want to spend some money. But uh, it's going to be going to be a tough rebuilding process. I think it's just an interesting storyline to look at as the years go on. It's like sure. you saw you saw them build it up. And then Theo left, and, and now right back down, and right back down with Jed Hoyer, which I don't want to bl- put it all on him, but now it's Jed. What are you going to do? It's an interesting storyline. I, I don't think you're being offensive at all, or or, or a slight to the Cubs fan. It's an interesting storyline. Yeah. Where are you where are you going to take this? You know what else is interesting? If Theo Epstein ever decides to leave MLB offices and get back in the GM game, he helped end the Red Sox curse. He helped end the Cubs curse. He's going to sign on as a GM somewhere uh, with a blank check, essentially, because he seems to be the trophy whisperer. So <laughs> we're, you know, good good on him. And if I were him, I'd get out now because Major League Baseball, uh, the front office, is essentially a circus. Well, we talked about this last week, uh, and uh, apparently ben, ben has some more info. He's the, he's the college football guru here. Um, the apparently – Oklahoma and uh, the Texans, Texans, <laughs> Texas, uh, although I think, you know, at some points during the last season, you might consider the Houston Texans a college football team uh, and not a Division One either. Uh, it, it appears as though uh, the Longhorns and the Sooners, I'm just going to say that because then I can't mix up the states right. or the places, uh, are moving to the SEC. It's pretty much a done deal, Chris. It, it's all about when they're going to move. 18 months notice, technically. Contracts up, I think it was 2025 or 2024, and they indicated that it would be 2024 when they left. Who knows? They're, they're not beholden to that. They can get out of it. If they throw enough cash at the Big 12, they can make it happen. It's interesting because I listened to um, – a Fox broadcast on, on YouTube. Um, full disclosure, Fox broadcast has and has TV rights with uh, the Big 12. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but apparently ESPN had a lot of influence in this OU Texas move to SEC. There's tie-ins with the SEC uh disney which disney owns espn mm-hmm. so 
there is a lot of back alley deals with money going back and forth. With that said, are you suggesting it, something involving the NCAA might not be completely on the up and up? Well, I don't think NCAA has anything, any tie in with this. This, this is, I think this is independent of the NCAA, which by the way, there's a lot of on a side note, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole too long, but there's a lot of talk with the INLs, I, NILs, and the restructuring of um, conferences potentially. The NCAA's influence might be very, very limited or reduced because they're kind of having a coming, coming to Jesus moment with what's going on in college sports right now. Yeah, but they feel their feel their grip on all that money loosening just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, it's interesting because a lot of places I, I listened to, because um, I wanted to get there, I wanted to hear what they had to say as well on the Big 12, the SEC. And there's two interesting points I brought that was brought out from that. It seems like the SEC is going to create this four t- four division pods. And it's going to be interesting competition to see how they structure that. They can almost have their own internal playoff system, which is a whole another money grab on its on its own. But the biggest point is a lot of people said the same thing that we said right here last week. The Big Twelve is going to die. I mean, I mean, how how could it not? I mean, it, I mean, the teams obviously will survive, and they'll find other conferences and places to go. But yep, th- there's no way. And, and look, I know that that the Longhorns and, and and the Sooners are not exactly the powerhouses they used to be, uh, but still, those are like I said, those are two. Number one, it's a huge rivalry, yeah. so there's huge. big mo- there's big money in that, whether the teams are competitive or not. I mean, I'm not just look. I'm not throwing stones here. I, I promise this is not a shot. Michigan is not what they once were either. And OU no. Michigan is still a massive game every single year. Oh, excuse me, not yeah. OU, Ohio State. Um, it's still a massive game every year and a big moneymaker. Yep. They're losing that money. They're losing the rivalry. They're losing their two biggest, most historic franchises. Uh, essentially, what happened to that conference is what happened to the Cubs. All the main players are leaving. You got to find somewhere to go. And what's, what's interesting is that the long uh, – the Texas Longhorns have their own network. Oh, wow. Okay. I know that. Yep. They have their own network. So that comes along with them. I'm sure they need to – I don't know where the agreements are behind that, but I'm sure they can get it. Enough money gets pushed in front of somebody, everything's kosher. Oh, yeah. And that's why the and that's why Texas is going because of the prestige, as you pointed out last week. And OU is going because of the prestige and the recency of their um, winning ways. What's interesting also is before we jumped on, I saw uh, a story that the Big 12 is talking to the Pac-12 about a merger. Another interesting person. And and that's where I go to. This is is credited to Pat McAfee. Uh, He has his own YouTube channel. he does a show every day. He says it's gonna it's gonna come down to four super conferences, and that's it. Four super conferences, sixteen teams, and it's gonna break out that way. And what they're gonna try to do is they're just gonna tell the the group of five, and the group of five is the rest of the conferences. 
uh, you can't play in our big game. Have a nice day, because they want they want their teams on the stage, right? With yep. the prestige, getting the money. And it's because it's all about money, realistically. Of course. Um, I'm I, I'm all for all this direction because it does one one major thing. It takes the NCAA as a corporation, as a group, and pushes them aside and says, "We don't need you." Because they they just they just pull pop money out of everyone's pocket for what to govern them. Yeah, it's essentially the mafia bribe. Um, we're we're gonna keep you safe. Pay us. All right. I have a different perspective. I don't think I, I haven't heard it brought up yet. Uh, it could have been. I don't know. I'm sure it's been brought up by other people, but I haven't personally heard it. Uh, it's recruiting huge i mean here's the thing like i said texas oklahoma historic franchises but uh you know all the top prospects are going to go man i kind of want to go to clemson i want to go to alabama i want to go to these schools that are going to have these monster seasons where i'm going to get a chance to get drafted i'm going to be on the main stage big 12 is not what it used to be maybe 20 25 years ago even more okay it's just not right now and uh, maybe not even that long ago i don't know but it's not right now and if you go to the sec not everyone can play for those dominant teams in the sec they can only take so many players right. you're going to be able to say hey this school you wanted to go to that turned you away guess what we play them every year we play them every year and we play this this school and this school and this school and now you're going to be on national television every week they were anyways, but now it's going to be against these programs. So if you play your ass off the way you're capable of, you just got a ton more exposure. So they can use that in recruiting big time. Oh, I will I will hammer your point in. Uh, by the way, a lot of experts said exactly the same thing you did. I, oh, uh, I honestly I, I did, honestly did not know that. <laughs> same exact thing you just said. That was one. I mean, the money is number one. Sure. Oh, yeah, but, obviously. Yeah. But but number two is recruiting. And I'll put it to you this way. Uh, Bryce Young is the unofficial starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide next year. Nick Saban hasn't said it, but that's where it seems he's the most talented guy. He's the next in line. He's I don't know what he signed, where he signed with. He signed a $800,000 deal for naming, image, and likeness. And he hasn't been named the starter yet, Chris. This is just, this is what they're looking at as, as college athletes. Oh, on yeah. Prominent stages. And if you look at Texas A&M, they left the Big 12. It was 2012. And they went to the SEC. They were bottom of the top 25, I think, in recruiting. They shot up to probably the top 10, maybe just outside the top 10. They were competing with Texas with, with, with recruiting when they went to the SEC. Whereas when they were competing in conference, Texas was always getting those guys because 
It was te Texas was the big brother, and they were always beating them up. Which, by the way, that's another rivalry that gets uh, to be revived is Texas Texas A and M. Huge, huge rivalry that now comes back with this move. So, this I like this move. Texas OU going to the SEC. I understand it's going to kill the Big Twelve. That's life, man. You you, you can't. Yeah. I always speak. You you got to look forward into the future. You got to try to innovate. You try to pressure it up because if you try with the same stale, if it becomes stale and you keep the same stale stuff going, your sport's just going to become that. And that's what we talk about with baseball all the time. You need to innovate. You need to be forward thinking. NFL has changed stuff, many stuff over the past 20 years, but they progressively changed it. Not, you know, instituted all these rules one just one season so make the now but this all this with the uh sec big 12 college football naming image and likenesses all this has come within the past year so this is a huge shift a lot of college football fans aren't liking this a lot are i'm all for it i think that the players need to get their money when they can because there's no guarantees in the NFL. You know it, and I know it. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm all for it, 100%. Schools are making money hand over fist. Hand over fist off these kids. I mean, let them, <laughs> let them get every down they can while they can, because not everyone's going to be a star in the NFL. Okay, now let's move on to the NFL. There's an unintentional kind of half-ass segue there. Uh, where is my... Makeshift rundown. Here we go. The Buffalo Bills. I mean, look, anything else before Bills would not sound right. Right. Besides, like, dollar. I mean, but for a city. Uh, I don't I don't think the Austin Bills have the same ring. Uh, apparently, that is that is something that's been in discussion, at least. Uh, that's, that's what, you know, Bills ownership is saying, and they're probably BSing, to be honest. I guess there's been some stadium renovation or new stadium talks in Buffalo. There's not a lot on this right now, honestly. I just thought it was pretty interesting because I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know this was on the radar. But the the Bills have, I, I guess, looked into relocating options, and Austin, Texas is one of those options uh, because they want a new stadium or renovations to their stadium. And, you know, as you can imagine – uh, the city is probably not willing to front the, the load of that money, uh, the majority of it, like most owners want. And you, know, you have billionaire owners that don't want to fork over the money they want the town to do instead, and then they want to charge you 15 bucks for a beer. So I can understand uh, a city council or a town government being like, uh, yeah, we're not giving you that much money. But... This is just, I mean, we like I said, we're not doing a deep dive on this because we can't. We don't have a lot of info right. right now. Maybe by next week we'll have more, and if we do, we'll, we'll discuss it further. But this is surprising to me. Like, you know, the Bills Mafia, I mean, I think jumping through tables for no reason is idiotic. Um, and this is coming from a wrestling fan, mind you. So, um, but, I mean, they're a loyal fan base. They love that team. They're a rabid fan base. I remember, you know, every time every time the Patriots would go to Buffalo, 
there'd be certain uh, items thrown on the field in Tom Brady's direction. (laughs) (laughs) Even as a Patriots fan, that was, that was pretty hilarious. Um, So, I mean, I, I can't picture this team in any other town. Uh, It's, it's really hard to think of the bills just, I mean, they probably wouldn't stay the bills either. If they moved to, you know, Austin, it'd probably be, I don't know, like the steer or the Austin oxen or <laughs> no, that's terrible. Never let me name a team. But uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? This just doesn't seem right to me. Um, I mean, so let me just give you com- some context. It is the fourth largest city in Texas. You got Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, Austin. So as far as, you know, capacity and, and a fan base, it, it should be able to support it. Um, I agree with you. The Bills would not carry over. Uh, it would be a name change. Uh, one, because it's a different – it's a new move. And two, and I, I hate to always bring it to the same thing, but it's all about the money. And oh, you bring course. in a new – you need to bring in a new fan base and all that. You're going to want a new influx of money. And if you have some Bill fans carry over, you're going to want them to spend new money. Even if it's something as simple as a design change, what have you. But as far as the Buffalo Bills legacy, I would hate to see this happen. Because as a, as a great man once said, Chris, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, classic Berman before he just got into his backpack back phase. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. It, it's it's just it, it's one of those. It, it's not has has nothing to do with the players on the field. It has nothing to do with the front office or the coaches. It's all about the ownership wants to wants them to pay this, and city wants to pay that. I, Look, I look at it like this. You should do what Jerry did. You should do what Robert Kraft did. You build the complex. You, you build it out, and you get your money back tenfold. Right, right. And you're building jobs for the community more than just a stadium. Uh, we've talked about this. One Patriot Place is is an event, whether it's during the season or off the season. And Jerry beautiful World. facility, by the way. Even if, even oh, if you're not a Patriots fan, there's a lot of good stuff there. And let's not let's not you know Jerry World is is Jerry World, and I'm, from what I hear, it's oh, I hear it's awesome. I never I never been, but I, I hear the stadium, everything from the stadium to the surrounding area is uh, amazing. <laughs> and that, I mean that's investment by the owner into yep. the community. Yep. And I think and goodwill. The Pagulas need to decide. Do if I want to invest in this city. I'm going to invest in it by building this stadium, by building out this, the surrounding area to give these people good paying jobs, an environment to be part of. And if they don't want to do that, then move to Austin. It might just be a play to move to Austin. If we're being honest, do I know that? No, but could be. be. Yeah. A couple of things. Um, you know, I have no doubt Austin, absolutely, you know, huge city could support the team. That's not the problem at all. Uh, the problem is just surprising that, uh, that it would even be a thing. Uh, and 
it's if it is a play or a ploy just to get to kind of scare the whoever is in charge of saying, all right, we'll give you X amount of dollars towards the stadium if you pick up the rest. If it is just a ploy to scare those people into doing that, number one, it's 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 always kind of bad to strong arm your community into <laughs> into into giving you funds so you can stay and then charge them absorbent amounts of money to go watch a game. Two, uh, like I said, Jerry Jones never threatened to leave Dallas. Jerry Jones was like, oh, all right, I'm just going to rebuild this then, whatever. Because Jerry's got more money than I think he probably even realizes at this point. Uh, Robert Kraft uh, never wanted to leave Foxborough. Um, he actually funded that stadium, Gillette Stadium, at least a vast majority himself. He was not, they, they, they were not going to let him build, which was the problem. So he went. And found a spot in Connecticut. Still in New England. He wasn't even trying to leave New England. He was just going right. from Foxborough to Connecticut. And by the way, anyone who's ever... Patriot Place is an amazing place, but it's such an anomaly in that area. Because Foxborough, you've been there before. If you've never been there, Foxborough is like the most quiet, picturesque little New England town for uh, all but the day, game days and football days there. It is like... I took my fiance there last year. And we, we went to get dinner, and you figured there'd be there'd be all these massive restaurants and stuff like that. We found this little hole in the wall diner, which was awesome, by the way, no complaints. But we found this little hole in the wall diner, and it was like it was packed, but like there was three restaurants that were open past like nine o'clock, right? Because it's just small town New England, and then you know, like I don't know, eight to nine Sundays, depending on playoff schedule, if they if they make the playoffs every year. It turns into a madhouse with seventy thousand fans, kind of, you know, uh, condensing down onto the city. But his, his threat was never, "I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." It was, "Well, I'm going to find a spot in Connecticut." Then they're still the New England Patriots. They were never going to be the Connecticut Patriots. Um, right. So if he is just doing this to try to strong arm the, the the city government, it's it's a very interesting, very interesting move, uh, and. This is a fan base that this is going to sound like I'm disparaging the city of Buffalo. So please listen the entire way. I know I know it's a division rival. Yeah. I'm not knocking the city. If you are a fan of the Dolphins and they leave and go somewhere else, pretty much 10 months out of the year you can still do just about anything else you want to anywhere. You can go to the beach, you can go here, you can go there. You can walk down the boardwalk somewhere and see the girls and guys and all that stuff. If that that's your thing, if you're, you know, single and you want to do that. Cool. Uh, if you live in Vegas and I know they've only been there one year, but uh, the Raiders leave. Should never went there to begin with, but that's a different story. Uh, same thing. You have all this stuff around you. If you live in Buffalo and the bills leave, it's a little bit of a different story. Right. And, and, and I know, uh, look, truth be told, I'm a bit of an introvert. So uh, a town in upstate New York that's quiet and has like a very, it's not this massive metropolis. It's my kind of town. Not knocking it. I'd have no problem living in a place like Buffalo. But you're taking away such a huge part of that community. Like, like Cleveland. When the Browns left, Huge. that community was devastated. Yep. And I'm sure, I've never been to Cleveland. I'm sure it's a fine town. Got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I love rock and roll music. I'm sure I could find something to do there. 
I'd have no problem living in a place like that. I don't care to live in a place like Miami where it's hot 80% of the year. But there's always something to do there. There's always something to distract you. When you live in a place that's cold most of the time and, and isn't exactly easy access to all these different things to do, it's a much different story. And I'm sure some fans will transfer with them, but not as many as I think they're hoping. You're going to have to kind of rebuild the fan base and then build trust with that fan base. You think everyone who was in the black hole every Sunday in Oakland is going to drive down to Vegas for the team that abandoned them for, for money, for absolutely what you said a bunch of times already, and you're spot on, for money. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to lose more than you gain. And, and I think where Austin's positions, they, they are, because there's no San Antonio team. Uh, I think they're in a prime spot where they can pull a fan base from the surrounding areas. Because, look, the Cowboys have the Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, Arlington kind of metroplex covered North Texas's cowboy country. You know, Houston is Houston, you know, ups, downs, but it's got a good fan base. I think there's enough there in Texas uh, to support a third team, just like there's enough in New York to support three teams. The issue I would have is just you're just going to kill. You're going to do the same thing that happened to Cleveland. You're going to kill... the community you're going to kill the lifeblood at some points of the like if if the patriots actually left foxborough right now foxborough would just get decimated because they plan those eight to nine sundays of increased revenue a lot of increased revenue to support whether it's the guys standing on the side of the street for parking for what, 20, 25, 50 bucks? <laughs> 20, Whatever 25. it is. You're funny. You're funny and very optimistic. Well, I mean, some of them farther, farther away from the stadium are that. But I know as you get closer and closer and closer, oh, yeah. the dollar value increases incrementally. If you get within but, a mile, good luck for finding an under 60. But even like t- to start there and then work your way up to all the, the restaurants and the grocery stores in the surrounding area and all the businesses in one Patriot place, it's, it would absolutely decimate that community. Absolutely. To no end. And I think you're going to do that to Buffalo. Will it survive? Sure. It will survive. Oh, the ta- yeah. The town will be fine. Yeah. They'll figure out a way, but that immediate impact will be felt and, and it'll hurt. And then your fan base, uh, I don't know what to say to that. You're not, you're not going to drag that fan base to Austin no, with them. No. And the only the only thing that's going to help is helping Vegas is the fact that the Vegas population itself is not great. It's the out of town visitors that continually come in right. that are going to pack that stadium. I don't foresee them having great um, revenue as far as their merchandise and apparel. I mean, they'll get some, but not to the degree anybody else does 
I think where they're going to get it is the continuous influx of new people coming in each and every weekend. And that's where their, their money's going to be made. It's just, uh, I hate to see it. I really would. There's some uh, team or towns and cities that, that have teams, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like right now, the Vegas has the Raiders. There hasn't been time to build roots in that city yet. It's only been a year, and a year, by the way, you couldn't have fans. So I'm sure there's people who live in Vegas, even though it's not a high normal population, like you said. But people who live in Vegas are like, oh, we have our team now. We're excited, and cool, I'm a Raiders fan now, whatever. Uh, but then there's there, there's cities that are the team. Yeah. And, and, and like like Buffalo Bills are Buffalo. And, it, you know, it's like the Cleveland Browns were Cleveland. It, it, it's just sad to see money, especially from people who are already filthy rich, mind you, get in the way of a connection between a fan base and a team like a place like Buffalo has. And, and I, I am a Patriots fan, but I'm also a football fan, and which is why even, like, I could enjoy the playoffs even after the Pats were out. Because it's like, I just love watching football. And I love the connection. Even if I'm not crazy about the team winning, I can understand as a fan the excitement. The Bills were decent to mediocre for a while. And now with the emergence of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and a solid defense. And my alarm clock. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's, it, I, can, I know what it feels like as a fan. That first Super Bowl run with Tom Brady when he took over for Bledsoe, it's like, can they really do this? Can they do this? Like, we're not used to this yet. This is so exciting. I know what that feels like, and it, it's, it'd be an awful, a, a sincere, awful shame to have a historic franchise like the Bills not be there for potentially what could be a Super Bowl run in the next couple of years because the owner wanted to be greedy. It, it'd be sad. It'd be, it'd be terrible. And uh, would they stay in the AFC East? Because I know they'd be in Austin, but sports don't seem to know geography anymore. So like, you can just be in any division and play anywhere. Right. Like if they have a team in London, it'll probably be in the NFC West. Just because, ah, well, whatever, we need a spot there. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, for the most part, if you look at it, Geographically, they have it down in the NFL, but then you look at it, the AFC uh, AFC East is lined up along the the Atlantic coast where you have three teams up at the north and then one team all the way in the south. So I, here's what I would think. I'm thinking more NFC East with the Cowboys. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, yeah, that, that makes that that makes yeah. See, where where is that? I, I don't understand that either. Um, that was like when um the Eagles and the Cardinals and the Cowboys and the Giants were on the same division. It's like what what, what is this? Yeah, right. Uh, um, I would I would say if if I were Goodell, which I hope that never happens. I don't ever want to be that man. Dude's loaded, though. He is loaded. I, I, I could have given that. He is loaded. If we're looking at expansion, 
and they're looking inside the country because you know they're always looking outside the country. They're looking at Canada. They're looking at Mexico. They're looking at Europe. I, I get, I get the allure because you want to expand the sport and globalize it. But if you're just looking at inside the United States, I could see them expanding to two more teams. You have the talent that comes in from college football. There's enough now. It used to be there wasn't enough uh, quarterbacks in the league to, to satisfy 10 teams. But that's like 15, 20 years ago. With the innovations in college football, the spread offense, and the fact that the pros are installing the RPOs, the spread offense, it makes it an easier transition. And now you have this just glutton of quarterbacks. And on top of that, the skill positions, the defensive players. I think there's enough there. And to give these guys opportunities to play i think there's enough where you can have 32 teams you bring in austin and then you bring in another another city i don't know where else somewhere maybe in the midwest maybe somewhere uh around colorado wyoming somewhere around there another big city that doesn't have a franchise that would be a better resolution than to have the Pagula to say, oh, NFL, we want to up and move to Austin because we can get a better deal down there or we can build the stadium down there. I just don't think that's the right move at this time, especially with a historic franchise like the Bills. They are the city. I think you put it perfectly. Like the Browns are Cleveland. Like yep. that is a fan base that has been through a lot and they just – there's no, there's no shaking the Browns fans off the Browns no. bandwagon. They're just, oh. they're just there. They can get upset. They can get pissed off. They can hate the coach. They can hate the players. They can hate the owners. But the es- essence of being a Browns fan or being a Bills fan, you just can't remove that from that city. Well... I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it's all just smoke and mirrors, and uh, hopefully we'll know more next week. I said we weren't going to go long-term on it. We only had 20 minutes. So I uh, guess we had a little more of an opinion than we thought. But Okay, last on the docket today, Carson Wentz, your, your favorite, your boy, your personal, your perennial pick for MVP. Absolutely. Uh, I know how much you love Carson. Um, former second overall pick. Uh, you look like a mad scientist with a dog in your lap now. You just need one of those spinny chairs and a mwahahaha. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz, uh, the, 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 the knock on him has always been injury-prone, can't stay healthy, um, plays pretty well. Well, he played pretty well for the first couple of years. It's been very hit or miss the last few seasons with, with the Eagles, hence the fact even taking a massive cap hit, dead cap hit, for, uh, for I believe, this coming or next coming season. They decided to move him and trade him. Traded him to the Indianapolis Colts, where he'll be the starter. I know they drafted Jacob Eason, and I think uh, Ellinger, Ellinger, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah. They have I'm those not. two. Uh, it was pretty clear Wentz was going to be the starter until yesterday. 
when it was announced he will miss five to 12 weeks, which is a weird timeline. Normally it's five to seven, six to eight. There's normally not a seven week, uh, seven week, you know, in between period. I guess that's a Carson Wentz exclusive, except it's not because as today it came out that superstar offensive lineman, one of the best in the league, Quentin Nelson has pretty much the same foot injury and will also miss five to 12 weeks. Uh, here's a guy in Wentz. I saw this on um, NFL memes on Facebook, and it's hilarious. You should definitely take a, take a look if you haven't. Uh, not a sponsor or anything. Just do really funny stuff over there, and if you like sarcastic football memes, you'll love it. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, Carson Wentz finally healthy with his new team, ready to show the world what he can do. Literally going to miss three months after his second practice. It's not wrong. Um, I mean, figure we're about a month away from the season starting. No, no, no. August, September. About five or six weeks from, from the season starting. Yeah. If it's a 12-week timeline, uh, if those backups don't play well, they could already find themselves in a hole they can't dig out of for this season. So at that point, I'm in the middle of the woods here, and there's some wild animal making some ungodly noise somewhere behind me, so... I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> if this is my last podcast, that's been nice talking to y'all. Um, but, I mean, then at that point, if you're the Colts and say you're 1-5 and five or 0-6 oh and, and you're looking up at two or three teams in the division, do you just say, well, <laughs> we're really high on this potential quarterback. Let's just let one of the, see what one of these kids has. And if they suck and they can't get the job done, we're going to get a high pick and we'll just pick another quarterback. Yeah. And we'll let Wentz walk because none of the dead cap is going to be on the Colts. So, I have no idea what's going on. Um, I know I know the mic picked that up, but I, it sounds like a, a, a duck that I, I like grew up next to a nuclear reactor, and it's probably like a twelve foot duck. So, um, man, I, I this is this is bad for Wentz. Uh, Quinn and Nelson will be fine. You know, he's he's super talented. I mean, you know, he'll come back and you know whenever he's ready he'll come back and play and he'll be fine i don't think he's been injury prone during his career but Wentz, that's the knock on him and it happened again and if he doesn't get a chance to play this season and look this is just speculation on my part even if they're 0-6 1-5 2-4 and they're looking up in the division maybe when Wentz comes back they plug him right back in as a starter no problem he gets to prove himself or not prove himself depending on what happens just speculation on my part but if this team is struggling especially if he has a setback and he's five, six, seven, eight, ten weeks into the season, and this team isn't competing, he may not even get a chance to prove himself in Indy. Like, this is bad. And this is this is how promising careers end up with guys out of the league in five years because they just cannot stay healthy. This is like RG3 all over again. And except RG3 has been able to... Yeah, but he's not I the know. same player. No, no, not at all. But he's been able to maintain an NFL career of some sort by being a backup in Baltimore, I think I do feel bad for Carson because this was his opportunity to kind of show that he still had the ability. And then this injury just railroaded this year. And I, I agree with you. It possibly could railroad him next year. And now you're looking at Carson Wentz. If you're a team, yeah, I'll give him a shot. As a backup, making league minimum because I'm not going to sit there and, and 
sacrifice cap space on a guy that could go out and practice and get injured. And if I'm Indianapolis, I'm taking a hard look at what's going on. That two players got the same, essentially the same injury. Is there something we're doing wrong? Is there something wrong with the field? Yeah. Is there something wrong with the practice mm-hmm. field? And maybe it's just a coincidence that both of them got the same thing. But third person happens, now it's a pattern. So there, there is a... I have, I have, I truly have no idea what's going on around no me. No words, no words. Um, I mean, now I know it's not a toxic duck. It's clearly an air horn, but I have no idea why. There's someone doing a wood blow, blow woods blowing an air horn. Uh, I mean, possibly. Hey, I'm just gonna shut the lights off and close the curtains and just hope, hope it's not you know it's vision based movement like the T Rex in Jurassic Park. You can only hope, Chris. I, I just think with Carson Wentz. He might just want to get fully healthy and hope that their team is competitive enough to be inserted back into the offense. But I think you're right. They're 0 and 6. They're 1 and 5. They're, you know, sub 500, and Tennessee's running away with it. And for some reason, Deshaun Watson's actually playing, or Trevor Lawrence is guiding the Jacksonville Jaguars to a representable season he's supposedly he's looked really good in training camp so far i mean he's good he's real good so he could have that kind of impact uh it's not far-fetched to see indianapolis colts bottom of the food chain with a tremendously talented defense and one of the best offensive lines in the game and a great young running back nelson and a great runner it's it's sad. It is, and and honestly, Chris, if I'm the front office, I'm looking at this. Okay, is Jake Easton the answer? Is Jake Ellinger the answer? Okay, is there an option out there right now where we can bring in that can do similar things in the offense that Carson Wentz? Because we want to keep it the same, not only for Carson, but because this is what we've been stalling all off season. We want to have some continuity. There may yeah. be an option out there. I don't know what it is. And I, for one, uh, even though Colts fans have not always been so nice to me as a Patriots fan, I do feel for him because two years ago at this point, you thought your franchise was set for the next decade with Andrew Luck. And now you're kind of just scrambling. I mean, you had Phillip Rivers. That was only a year he retired. Yeah, and then, you know, you have Eason. Who knows what he has? Who knows what Ellinger is? Um, who You never know. Could be the next Dak or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, I hate to put anybody in the league with Brady just based on what he's done. But he could be the next, you know, breakout surprise. But those are few and far between. Very few and yeah. far between. And uh, you can never count on it. And you go from thinking you have your guy with Andrew Luck to, oh, Brissett started out okay. Jacoby Brissett clearly not the guy. Phillip Rivers is only one and done. Now you have these two. You have the second-year guy and the rookie Ellinger who are – you know, unless they want to go out and make a move. Uh, I mean, the the quarterback the quarterback play in the, in the NFL, I cannot remember a time when it was stronger from the starting standpoint. Right. The backup role, however, is still something to be desired. I don't think it would cost much to go talk to Jacksonville and say, 
What do you want from Minshew? Or I know, I know it's not. I know it's not the ideal situation. No. But, like you said, damn good defense. Potentially top five defense. Maybe even better. Incredible young running back in Jonathan Taylor. Very fine backup running back, by the way. And um, oh, I just forget the guy's name. Uh, the receiving one? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Indy. Um, Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines, yes. Uh, I believe he's still with the team. A very talented player. Good receivers. Borderline great, depending on which T.Y. Hilton shows up and what happens with Michael Pittman Jr. And an offensive line that can compete with any in the league. Uh, is still very good even without Quentin Nelson. Dominant with him, but even good even without him. A guy like Minshew could come in and he wouldn't, he wouldn't have the pressure of having to do what he did in Jacksonville. Well, he didn't do anything in Jacksonville, but wouldn't have the same pressure in Jacksonville as, well, this team's going to turn around. It's all on you. They give him a chance to start. I'd be shocked if it cost him more than a fourth-round pick. And you you could also talk to Chicago, see what the the options are with uh, Nick Foles. I know he's not. My God, uh, another team using using Foles. I know. Carson Wentz. If if the Colts end up winning the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz after they trade, uh, excuse me, with Nick Foles after they trade because Carson Wentz got hurt, Nick Foles should just be a Hall of Famer. No discussion. Just enshrine him now. End of story. You should also just stick with teams that have Carson Wentz on it because exactly, he, he, exactly, he sucks, he sucks regardless. So, I mean, those are two options they could they could absolutely explore. I, I like, I like Jacob Jacob Eason. He, he's okay. He's not great. I like Jake Fromm better, but unfortunately, I think he's with um, Buffalo. B- Buffalo, yeah. Um, and I only know that because literally every pack of cards, I, well, not literally, but just about every pack or box of cards I bought. Uh, if Look, if Jacob, if uh, Jake Fromm is ever a star, I'll yeah, be a rich good. man. Because, my God, if I had a, if I had $10 for every friggin' Jake Fromm rookie card I have, I we'd be, yeah, we'd be recording for my own studio right now. Um, and I know Jake Ellinger, he was okay at Texas. He wasn't great. He does have some skill sets that are similar to Carson. He is very mobile. If I'm the Colts, obviously I go with the best player. I think you might have a better chance with winning. If you're just looking at those two, you might have a better chance of winning with Jake Ellinger over Jacob Beeson because Jacob Beeson is more that that step-back pocket quarterback and – he hasn't taken a snap, so realistically, how much can he help an offense that has all that talent but does need someone to navigate and and, and lead the team? Mm-hmm. Phillip Rivers did a good job last year. Not a great job, a good job. And he got the team so only so far. But you're in the division with Derrick Henry, who's going to – the Texan, the the Titans are going to run that ball down your throat. We don't know if Deshaun's going to play, but you mentioned the Texans, uh, the Titans also have Julio Jones now, so they're going to be and, a receiving threat as well. And we don't know what the Texans will be, but you know, Deshaun is a factor. I, Trevor Lawrence could be a, a generational player if he comes out this year, and and the Jacksonville Jaguars are five hundred or better. I'm calling that a win, and I'm... Oh, absolutely. What they came from, absolutely. And I'm just going to tell you, 
the sky's the limit. But the the Colts, this is this was their opportunity to make a move this offseason to find that quarterback. They gambled on someone with some upside, with some MVP caliber play, but does have an injury history, and now it looks like it's going to backfire. It just goes to show you when your team is doing well, never, ever take it for granted. Even as, even as a Patriots fan with, with, God, what, 20 years of success, obviously not continuous. There were some bumps in there, but, right. you know, 20 really, really good, fun years. Never took it for granted because you never know. The Colts looked like they had their future set, and now they're kind of scrambling to find that, that leader on the field, that field general. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are, you know. A guy who's injury prone, you know, hopefully Joe Burrow's fine, but he looked like he was going to be outstanding on his way to rookie of the year, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, torn ACL, Justin Herbert steps up, looks like he's going to be a star. Burrow could go out and have a super successful career and never get hurt again, but if he ends up being injury prone and he's hurt and he misses games every year and misses seasons here and there, you're going to say, well... You know, Bengals, you found your guy, but he just couldn't stay healthy. So you never got you never got that winning season. Colts kind of got ripped off from that. I mean, they, they did have Peyton Manning for a while, and they did win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, it wasn't yeah. a total loss. And then he got Andrew Luck. And they thought they'd have him for a long time. And, I, you know, this is no knock on Andrew Luck by any means. I mean, he, he, he left for very understandable reasons. I, I get that. I, you know, I wish him well. But from the football side of it, Left a lot of stuff up in the air, and it has not landed well for the Colts. All right, anything else? Are you good? I'm all set. All right, that's going to do it for episode 140. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions for Ben or I and anything you've heard on this episode, past episodes, or sports-related in general, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can you get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter at BCTSpod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, BCTSpod.com. What about Instagram? Oh, Instagram. Uh, I don't have that one off the top of my head. Ben uh, underscore Chris Talk Sports. Thank you. I think. Yeah, just look for that. If you don't find it, hey, it looks what you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, it's it, it's linked in the comments. Yeah. So if I have it wrong for some reason, because Ben handles the social media stuff, if I have it wrong for some reason, just click the link. It'll take you right to it. Uh, Instagram seems to be one of the places we have the most yeah. success. So you're right, you're right Chris. All right, cool. Okay, I did, I did. I do know our own Instagram handle, so that's definitely good. Uh, so on that note, if you have not yet and you feel so inclined, we ask you to go wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, and tell a friend. Help us spread the word about the show. That would mean a lot to Ben and I. We greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.